levels, they keep rising. There's something we can do to stop them. These readings are unprecedented. Shut it down. Shut it all down. What do you mean, the whole thing? What do you mean if we don't find a cure? Shut the whole economy down. There's going to be riots in the street. Everybody's going to die. Everybody. Commence the political dampeners. Initiate warp speed. It requires sacrificing the economy, but just do it. Damn it, Jim. I'm a comedian, not a political science major. The president has been compromised. I repeat, the president has been compromised. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Hey guys, here we are in Chaos We Trust, episode 22. Tanner and Ian are here with you to rain in the chaos and shit's still fucked again as usual. So uh, yeah, we just want to get into that for a little bit. But before we do, I want to remind you to get on down to Riverside Wine and Spirits right there on Manufacturer's Road. Best place in town to get your booze. And if you're uh, visiting or coming through town or you live right outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee... Stop on by. It's just right off Old Jotty Bridge, which right off the interstate there brings you right through town. Real convenient spot. And uh, it seriously is. It is the best spot in town to get your booze. Um, and then Merchants on Main with Valentine's Day coming up. It's just a, about a week away, I guess. Yeah, you need to get something for that special someone and Merchants on Main might have that. And it could be one of my photographs that I have down there. I've got some of my uh, fine art photography down there, so... You can go check that out. And they've got lots of other great gift options. But other than that, shit's still fucked. Let's get into it. And uh, like I said, Ian's here joining me. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, 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 yeah I'm here. Uh, so, uh, yeah, this week uh, was a little more exciting than than some of the past ones have in that uh, we kind of saw the Marjorie Taylor Green shit. We touched on her last week, but... I didn't actually think they would do anything about her, to be honest. Well, I mean, it's kind of not doing anything. They're just taking her off of committees, which all that really means is that, like, you know, she doesn't get... It it, it hurts her credentials because it it looks good when you serve on a lot of committees. It's Mm -hmm. a good way to network and make a lot of connections and get, you know, get people on your side on issues you care about. Um, So she's losing that opportunity. Um, but it's, it's kind of a slap on the wrist cause she still is, she's still serving and she, uh, she just says a good, she called the whole thing a waste of her time anyway, all those committees. And so now she's going to spend more time at home in her district. So, mm. uh, I mean, I, you know, it, she did have to walk back some of her statements, although it was very kind of, I'm doing this cause I have to, and not cause I want to yeah. kind of thing. So it's, it's, you know, it just sucks, but it was a good, uh, it was a good, show a force to, to people mm-hmm. of that, that mindset that, Hey, this isn't, this isn't going to fly. You're not going to be, um, a force in this, in this, uh, you're not, you're not going to have a real say in things. And that's, I mean, you know, as much as I'm always for freedom and freedom of speech and all that stuff, I think, uh, freedom of speech, as long as you, I, I, I want, I, I think it should be freedom of informed speech. And then, you know, the argument easy, easily comes up with the, well, who decides what information is valid? It's like, well, mm-hmm. well Come on, like it's not that hard. Like we're mm-hmm. we have an internet now. We can. It's easy to parse that together. Uh, Why well, not to be confused with everything I read on the internet is true? No, but we. Yeah. But but thanks to the internet, we can fact check, and we yeah. can. If if you're looking at one thing and like one YouTube video and saying, uh, "Oh, I like this," and then only clicking the related videos and only like getting your information through that, mm-hmm. uh, you're not doing enough because there's always. Uh, I mean, like you, any f- weird theory or opinion you have, you can go find something that backs up your your theory mm-hmm. or opinion. Look at flat Earth. 
but is it is it valid? Is there is is there a way to verify it? So you got to look at a lot more. And if it's something that you care about, you should. Um, if you don't give a shit, like I mean, I'm not. I've, I haven't done the the flat Earth deep dive because I don't really care. I mean, if 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 it turns out that the flat Earth is real, is that going to change anything for me? Not really. So I'm not. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not on a big big tirade about that. I mean, I think it's stupid, but I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not getting all the good info. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not doing my fact checking. That's, that's my, kind of my point is I'm just kind of going with what they're telling me on this, but on a lot of things I don't on especially things that I'm confused or don't understand that mm. I think actually are important. So I love that little dance that, uh, I've got somebody in particular that I'll talk to about politics and I know that they get the majority of their information from was Fox news now OANN or Newsmax. He knows that I know that's where he gets most of his sources and that that's all he watches, but he tries to give this illusion that he watches other sources and the little dance that these people will do around like what, because I've started approaching it with these people of like, Oh wait, Jewish laser beams from the sky started the forest fires. That is crazy as hell. And I would love to know more about that. Where did you read that at? Oh, um, it, uh, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have to, to shoot you an email or send you a text. I, you know, it's on my computer. I, I say, you know, it's, it's this little dance they'll do to get around, like actually saying where it's from. Oh, I am well versed <laughs> in the dance as, as longtime listeners of this show. know, I used to buy, I used to drink the Alex Jones Kool-Aid. So I know what it's like to go to a party and start t- talking some crazy shit and not being prepared to back anything up because you're just going off of the shit you heard. Um, so I, what I recommend, it, it, it's if you really do think that you're right, um, it does serve you in your best interest to actually have information to bring up if you're even going to bring it up at all. If you're not prepared to have a debate, then just smile and nod if you disagree with yeah. someone at a party. That's what I learned to do. Even when I still believed it, I was like, I, I learned that it's bad to bring up 9-11 at a party <laughs> generally. And then, you know, that's a good social skill in general. Even if you, mm-hmm. even if you, you know, don't have questions about nine eleven, uh, and you just, you know, that's fine. Uh, don't bring it up at a party. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's. I'm a little stunted in my social development. I'm, I'm just going to admit that, but that's that's the thing that happened. But you know, I've, I've learned. I've learned. What gets me is when I was in college, and everybody knows who I'm talking about. Uh, not any one person in particular, but everybody knows a person like this. Is you would go to a college party, and there was always some dude up on his podium, so to speak, at this party, preaching some crazy shit about... He was probably a philosophy or a liberal arts major, and he was just up there speaking about, uh, yeah, you don't understand the constructs of the human condition, man. You got to break them down piece by piece, and the, the humanitarianism of American politics is just one framework within that psychological masterpiece. You know, just saying some crazy shit like that. Sounds like that guy needs to get laid... <laughs> Because then he'll be focusing on how he's going to keep this girl happy and not have as much free time to be going down these YouTube rabbit holes. But this is before YouTube is what it was today. Oh, shit. Yeah, we're talking like 2007 and eight ish here. And, uh, you know, at, at college parties, I would run across these guys. And I remember seeing them. They were generally guys that would do a fair amount of acid and whatnot. And I would think, like, man, I can't wait until I reach the day. It's like I, I had enough awareness to be like, these crazy fucks are always going to be at parties. But I'm excited to see, to move on from this like philosophy bro 
to see what's next in the pipe of like young adulthood, not like middle adult, whatever you want to call it, like 30s. I'm excited to see what that variation of crazy bro at a party is. And I hate to say that now it is a uh, QAnon or Alex Jones sort of motherfucker. And I miss the philosophy bros. Yeah, they're just... No, we'll all read. If everyone would trip once, we'd all reach the same understanding. (laughs) No, some people trip and decide to kill people. Like, that's a because the thing is, is like, it's and here's the thing I'm not saying it's that the the acid or the hallucinogens that did that, but I think that like you got to like it's it's like giving keys to a Lamborghini to somebody who's like not like a five year old. You got to you got to make sure Mm -hmm. that. The, all the circumstances are good before you just feed someone heavy doses of hallucinogens. Mm. So, you know, you can't like, I don't know. I'm going on a tangent about those guys, but uh, I, I know those guys. Cause I, I, I think I kind of am one of those guys, but uh, not, I try, I try to be better about it. That, I try. Would, that would be a good evil plot. Like a re- good real world evil plot, kind of similar to the plot of Batman begins, but you just start slowly dosing people on a mass scale with, You'd be like, no, it's going to be the mass awakening this day. If you could figure out a way to like instantly disperse and get everybody on mushrooms or like a good black mirror episode, like where that happens. And like the next, it's the day after that happens. That does happen. I see black mirror freaked me out. I never watched it, but like I watched, Oh, I've seen a few episodes, but I'm saying like, that would be like one of kind of that. Cause it's kind of like what is black mirror is kind of like the modern twilight zone kind of. Yeah. Black mirror freaked me out, man. I watched uh, maybe four or five episodes. And it seemed too realistic. That's, I mean, that's the whole point. Is it's and it freaked me the fuck out. It's a lot of that kind of like Black Mirror. I think is like the way that like cyberpunk was kind of the uh, you know go to sci fi commentary of like the seventies and eighties, where they'd be like, okay, we're gonna make a statement with our sci fi. I think Black Mirror is like the modern version of that because. Cyberpunk is, you know, the game, I mean, has its own controversy. That's a whole, I mean, probably different show, not just different episode. But you're talking the genre. The genre, yes. Uh, The genre is also kind of outdated in that, like, a lot of the concepts that it it presents don't really apply to the world we see today. Because in a lot of ways, our actual real-life tech has passed up a lot of the stuff that they were talking about in those books. I mean, not like the VR matrix, but we VR is becoming a thing. AR is becoming a thing. Um and like they do, they never really looked at what all that would mean in the greater in the grander scale like and, I, and i've gone on about like what the internet means for you know consciousness and all that the fact that we can communicate with each other on a level never before imagined they weren't able to comprehend what that means because they didn't they'd never seen it before it was just a fantasy to them um, but now that we're living in it like cyberpunk is is kind of like it's kishy and it's fun but it's not really it's the same as like lord of the rings kind of tolkien-esque mm-hmm. fantasy where you're like it's not really saying anything it's just a flavor um if that makes sense and uh whereas like black mirror actually is able to say like okay but let's look at things from a, a modern lens and let's um I don't know. That's sorry to turn this episode into a Black Mirror review, but that's kind of like what I got from it. Um, but again, I didn't like. I don't. I don't watch a lot of. I don't just sit and watch a lot of TV, so I didn't. Get yeah, that it all. show freaked me out quite a bit, so I couldn't watch it. It was a little bit too much. And I will tell people if you're going to get into it, it's a well put together show. Maybe skip the first episode and go back to it. That's that pig fucking episode. I've seen that one. Wasn't into that. I saw the robot dog episode. That was fucking weird. I think the last one I watched was it had the uh that guy from get out the main character guy yeah 
really good actor. He's like a British African actor. Um, had him in it, and he lived in some sort of future bunker city sort of thing, and they would get on bicycles that, like, powered the city, and you'd ride this bicycle. that It was like a stationary bike. You'd ride that to power the city, and then they would give you credits, and you'd rack up credits. And so it was basically the story of how he was in love with this chick, wanted to get enough money to meet her. She was, like, a porn star, like a OnlyFans star or something. Made enough money to finally get a meet and greet with her just to be like, hey, you're better than this. I really care about you. Remember me from childhood, all this. Because he was like, I can turn her. Oh, that's a mistake. And then she was like, who are you? Get away. And then he's like, I just spent my entire life savings pedaling on this fucking car in the future. And yeah, it was. uh, No, I mean, that's, you know, that's. I'm sure. Oh, it happens. That happens well, now. One of the benefits of OnlyFans is you get to actually chat with the people. Mm-hmm. I think we've talked about that. So it's like I'm sure that, like I've I've taken you know I I've been a, a a proud advocate of the service. I've taken a step back from it because you do kind of get wrapped up in these people's lives, and that's not mm-hmm. really healthy. I don't think. Like I mean. You know, and here's the thing. I came out of a breakup. I was like, you know, I'm stuck in this fucking pandemic. I'm alone. There's no, you know, I'm spending the money I would be spending on dates. So it's not like it's, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. helping people out. It's not a big deal. But then you start going like, oh, man, that girl has a boyfriend now. It's like, she was never going to fucking date me. <laughs> like, why am I feeling like that? So it's it's kind of like I got to I got to put the brakes on that shit. Um, but you know, I, it's still, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that it's like, a, you know, it's full of sin. It's evil. You know, I don't care about that. But um, no, like uh, the only other th- Black Mirror episode I can remember that I saw was about like it was a dating service thing and it was like but it like Matt tries to match up your whole life and then yeah. you have to go through this period where you're like closely in love and then it decides that it's time for you to break up. It was weird. Um, a lot of that stuff is I mean it's all dystopic. You know that's the 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 thing. Very very again very Twilight Zone. But that's uh yeah I I, I think that uh, to to circle all the way back around on what got us on this tangent. I mean, uh, it would be f- crazy yeah. to see like the next day after just everyone tripped at the same time. Yeah, there, I'm sure uh, you know experienced people would probably take it pretty well and be like, "Oh, mm-hmm. sweet, this is like a free vacation." I'm sure, but everyone would read into it like, "Why is it happening to everyone?" You know, but yeah, if you could do it to everyone in like Washington on one day, that'd be crazy. Mm. Like, put acid in the water, so in the coffee that morning. They need something to wake them up because, like, still no stimulus checks. They did pass some shit, though. Yeah, it's looking like we're going to get the 1400 Well, at least, I mean, I think we will, because I, I, yeah. they're talking about means testing. I don't like means testing just because it's another cog in the in the wheel, mm-hmm. and it's another way to, like, uh, to, it's another thing they can do to screw people over. I don't think anyone's going to get screwed over. I think they're looking at, like, maybe, like, a $300,000. If you make more than $300,000, you won't get the STEMI, which, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not crying for those people. Yeah. Um, but, like, at the same time, that's putting that kind of, you know, lever in place means that for future ones, it's, it's already there. So now they can move it if they need mm-hmm. to. That's what more, what I'm worried about. If you look at like things like social security and, and, and like all the, the most popular social programs that have ever happened throughout American history, they weren't means tested. It was f- for everybody. So I think that the, the most efficient, fastest way is to not, to not worry about, well, he's already rich. Then he's probably not going to like, I mean, who get he probably is going to spend that anyway. So, like, who gives a shit? Like, they're not they're, the rich people are going to hoard the fourteen hundred dollars. Like, they're already hoarding so much. More. Don't worry. That's that's a drop in the bucket. Just get the money out to the people who need it. That's that's the main thing I'm worried about. I mean, like, do I? 
like I said, am I losing sleep over those people? No, but like, I don't, you know, I don't know. I just think it's, it's an unnecessary complication. And the, the thing that we need to do is just get the money out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. And what I would be okay with the $300,000, you know, if you make 300,000 a year, you don't get it the first time around because this first stimulus that's to patch the holes. The next stimulus will be to start building repairs on those holes. Right. In the sense of like, okay, this first one's to keep the boat staying afloat and like just to give these people that need money some money. The next one after this will be a kickstart. That's yeah, going to be the, the defibrillator to the economy. Yeah, this this one, uh, it's this is the relief package. Yeah. And then the next one is the recovery package. And that one's supposed to be a lot more. Um, and, and I hope there's more STEMI with it. I mean, as, like again, mm-hmm. I, I say it over and over again. I'm an Andrew Yang guy. I like UBI. I think every step we go, I mean, we've proven now we have the quantifiable results that, that the two STEMIs we've gotten have uh, actually helped the economy. They mm-hmm. haven't hurt it because, I mean, if you think about it, it's a, it's an investment. You're making an investment mm-hmm. and they're and they're they're banking that, hey, by paying this out, this is going to create more spending, which is going to generate more tax revenue will actually make more money by stim. It's, I mean, it's a literal stimulus. Mm-hmm. And so it's, uh, uh, you know, I, I think that it should be on a regular basis. I mean, it, at least until we reach herd immunity and we can get past, um, you know, a pandemic state, mm-hmm. um, there should be some kind of recurring stimulus, I think. And I mean, I like the idea of it going forward and we restructuring society based on that, but you know, that's a hard sell. But the more we do it, the more we have quantifiable results to say, hey, look, this works. Guess who's been right all along? Yeah. <laughs> like, and it looks like the Democrats got this passed by doing uh, – it was pretty much just the Democrats. Yeah. No, they that, they did it, and they did it because it's through budget uh, reconciliation. That means that they don't have to go – like they're not going to need a supermajority of the Senate. Uh, they're going to need just a normal majority, um, which is which is, is as long as every Democrat's on board, we've got some that are kind of dragging their heels like mm-hmm. Joe Manchin, which granted, I mean, like I understand the nuance of it. Joe Manchin probably likes the idea of a $15 minimum wage in general in a vacuum, but uh, he is over West Virginia where the cost of living is, I imagine, quite a bit lower in West mm-hmm. Virginia so a $15 minimum wage would actually hurt a lot of small businesses there um, because they're not having to pay as much. So they're not having to bring as much in because mm-hmm. there's there's just not as strong of an economy, strong in quotes, um, of an economy there. So they're not having to, you know, cycle through as much money. So just forcing everyone, hey, if you, someone is working, they have to make $15 an hour. On a, In a state like West Virginia, that might be a bad thing. That, that's a fair point. Yeah. I mean, even here in Tennessee. Right. And that's, you know, I mean, that's one of the big arguments against, uh, even having a minimum wage is that, you know, not every state is equivalent. So like when you make a minimum, like, yes, like the minimum wage in California probably should be $15 an hour. Uh, you know, places with really high costs of living probably do need, and like really $15 an hour is like that, what the people were asking for, you know, 10 years ago. So Mm. really it probably should be more 15 is kind of a half measure in in, in the grand scheme of things, but in not everywhere. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, like I think here, I mean, I think everywhere could use an increase everywhere for sure could use an increase, but proportionally, like, which even with that, when you start doing state-based minimum wages, you get into touchy water there. But just hypothetically to entertain this idea. Yeah. Like, uh, here in Tennessee, 
probably not $15. I'm down for people getting more money, but you also do have to think about the business side of it. And so maybe like twelve fifty here. Right. You know? Well, and then you also have to look at like, and this is an argument people make a lot. And I, I mean, I, so full disclosure, if anyone's not, not didn't understand this already, I'm not an economist. I don't, I don't look, I don't read this stuff on a regular basis, but my general understanding is that, um, like you raise the minimum wage. The argument I've heard is that everything raises with it too. So if you're not, even if you're making under uh, over minimum wage already, your wages will go up too. And I don't see how, I mean, so I understand how it's possible and I understand how it should be done. I know that like the way that a lot of companies dole out bonuses and the way they, their, their pay structure is very favored to the top and like the, they pay the lower tier as much, as little as they possibly can. Um, but like, I, I don't know, like my thing is like, if I'm working a job already that makes $15 an hour. And then now everyone is making that. And now I'm working a harder job than a lot of people for that money. Shouldn't I just quit that harder job and do something that's easier? Mm -hmm. Like, and so that, so that, that, I mean, so like, I think you have to scale everything up to keep, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, that was my problem. I remember I was working one of my first, maybe second job when the minimum wage went from like 520 up to 725. And I was making five twenty five, and uh, I had worked and done stuff and gotten a raise, or just gotten various raises over the time I'd been there, and worked up to where I was making like six fifty or something like that. Well, they upped the minimum wage to seven twenty five. All of a sudden, I'm back at the baseline of everybody else, and it's like, what the fuck did I even work for? Right. Like I could have just done nothing and gotten the same amount in the exact same amount of time. And I remember arguing with my boss at the time, trying to reason that out. Like I'm not expecting the full like extra like dollar 30 or whatever it was, but meet me in the middle. Like you have to understand right. show where me, I'm coming at here. Show me that I have value. But like, yeah. you know, I mean, the thing is, is they're not making that more, that much more money. They're not mm -hmm. bringing that much more, more money into this establishment that they're then turning around having to pay everyone more with. So you have to think like, I mean, you know, like, and granted, I you know this is one I kind of wish Andrew was here for because I feel like he has a good like yeah. explanation of why I'm I'm wrong in my thinking, which is fine. I want I want to know that stuff. Uh, it's just that those have always been kind of like my concerns with it. But then when you look at like the like I said like the bonus structure of like yeah. corporations and how how much money is going to the people at the top, I'm like they could absolutely afford to pay everyone more money. Like I don't understand why like. You know, as as inflation has scaled, wages should scale with inflation, and like that's that's really like all, all that that like I mean, like you, you can you can argue no minimum wage, but then you got to show okay, but but are are the people paying these wages good actors? Are they mm -hmm. acting ethically? And it's like I think we've proven and shown that that's not the case. So it's like you know that's kind of been my bi big beef with, and I, I use this term a lot now because it's just kind of how it, ma it makes sense to me, but. My big beef with like libertarian philosophy, and I've been a you know a libertarian for years, but that I, I I like all of the libertarian ideals, but they only really work in a vacuum. They only work if there's no other 
forces working against those ideals. And there are, unfortunately, there are. There are a lot of people in a lot of different situations. And so libertarian philosophy really falls short when you actually throw it into the real world that's complicated. Um, I think that's, I think that holds true with a lot of socialist values too. I think a lot of social yeah. socialism sounds like a great idea in a vacuum, but then you throw in a lot of these complications again, like, you know, is can West Virginia afford a $15 minimum wage? You know? Well, see, and I'm kind of, I see like what you say and what si- that side of the fence says, because I don't know what I believe as far, because I'm not an economist either. And it does make sense that if you start giving people more money, the greedy fucks at the top realize people got more money, so they increase the prices on things. That makes sense to me. So if there was a way to regulate that they can't hike prices, but then that's affecting the free market, or it maybe put a delay on it. I don't know how you do that. Well, that's why you'll hear a lot of people on the left say that they they don't like the idea of a free market, which is yeah, which is I mean I mean hey like again the free market is a great idea in a vacuum. When we don't have a free market, like this right. GameStop thing is just exposed. Like, right. Clearly, we don't have a free market anyway. So I get that side of it, but I also see the side that I've lived of you know I remember very distinctly because I just entered the workforce. So when it went from 525 an hour to 725 or whatever it was, and uh, which I think it's still at that. Isn't yes. It? Yeah. yeah. That was the last um, minimum. I was which in is school. Absurd. Yeah. I'm, I'm 38 years old now. I was still in high school when that went through, I think. Uh, no, surely not. Cause I just, I think it was like Oh five or Oh six. Because I just graduated high school. That actually makes sense. I think and you're a little older than I am. I think it happened during that period when I was in a band and I didn't have to think mm. about that stuff. And that's why it feels like it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had just entered the workforce. So getting like automatically like a dollar and 30 cents or whatever it was extra was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. And then gas shot up immediately. And it yeah, I remember. Well, gas was already gas had shot up. Because, yeah, that's what I'm getting at, is this proposed hypothetical, like, shit automatically inflates when you up the minimum wage. I think it may be horseshit because it makes sense on paper why that would be that. But I think shit just increases in price regardless. Because, like, the minimum wage, that was 05, 06, maybe early 07. Yeah, what the fuck? Shit, gas prices were already through the roof then. Gas prices hit an all-time high, like my senior of high school. That's when they first crested the $2 mark, and everybody oh, yeah. was like, holy fuck. 205 what the fuck? Yeah, because that's when we were on the road, I remember. And I just started driving, so it was like, fuck, this is putting a damper on. I couldn't drive anywhere because gas was so expensive. And uh, and then it pretty much teetered around that like $2 to $2.50-ish range for years, and then only recently has it come back down, but that just became normal gas prices. And then rent, every year I've rented, rents on average, like whether my personal rent has gone up or not, it's if I look at apartment rentals that particular year, they're 50 to to $100 expensive more than the first year. Yeah, mine went up 25 this year. Yeah, so they, they crank those up every, like, and I've been in places where they've cranked it up when I've been living there year to year. It's like, oh, by the way, it's going to be $10 more this year. And it's like, what changed on y'all's end? 
No, you just got a little greedier. That's it. Like maybe some land taxes or something, but explain that to me as a renter. Like, hey, the property taxes have gone up, so we've got to increase everybody's rent by $10. Right. Understandable. But the way they do it, it seems like you're just being greedy fucks. Yeah. And so every year, shit has increased in price regardless. Even Legos. You used to be able to get a decent fucking Lego set. You know, like that Trump video. You can get a decent fucking Lego set for $20. Right. Yeah. Not now. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, uh, I mean, I, I think that's one of the downfalls of the free market philosophy is that, that the freedom means that there's not as much transparency. So you don't get to see, like, it's none of your business what their other bills are, you know, like it's, it's really like, I mean, what it breaks, what it boils down to. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm all gassy. Um, I, I don't, I, you know, I, I wish, I mean, again, I, I'm not the most educated person on this, so I'm, I'm speaking a lot of just like what seems like it should make sense to me, but like I, I, maybe someone knows and can explain it. But I think a lot of, and what we're seeing from the Wall Street situation is that a lot of this stuff is n- needlessly complicated on purpose. Yeah. Like if you want to screw someone out of, I mean, like it's like the old, uh, the first thing I ever learned when I worked, got my first job and worked behind a register, they said, hey, there's some people who will try to like, ask for change and then ask for more change and ask for more change. And their job, what they're trying to do is confuse you so that you give them more money than Mm -hmm. they started with. And I think that is essentially what we're seeing on a grand scale with a lot of the, you know, and basically what, what happened is now that we've got, we've, because of the internet, like I was saying earlier, because we're able to share information and and, and spread it. uh, A lot of people got wise to it and decided, well, we're going to play that game too. And now they're like, no, you, that was fraud. That was our scam. You don't get to participate in our scam. It's the same shit, how they didn't want the slaves to read back in the day. Right. Exact same reason. Yeah. You just make it need, make things needlessly complicated. I mean, like, and, and like to, to go back and, and, and I know I, I, I mean, I feel bad cause I'm sure there's some religious people who listen and are like, Oh, but like I always harp on religion, but I'm going to do it again. Uh, <laughs> like, I think that like you, if you read the fucking Bible, it's not like a good read. It's like, like I used to, I used to have a bed. I was like, they call it the good book, but it's not like a good book. Like, it's not like you sit and you're like, Oh, this is riveting, riveting stuff here. I think it's that way because it's like, hey, if we fill this with a bunch of gobbledygook and just a bunch of, you know, all around sort of, uh, you know, make it confusing and hard to read. Most people just go, yeah, I read it. Yeah, what that guy said. I don't want to be the dumb one, you know, and I think that's the same way you see it all. I mean, I don't know. It's just. Again, again, it's important to fact check, guys. <laughs> like yeah, Fact checks, which speaking of fact checking, this seems like a perfect way or a perfect time to segue to topic you brought up. I want to talk about this as well, but uh, they canceled Lou Dobbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fact check that motherfucker real hard. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, like, it's like weird because I would watch, you know, Lou Dobbs every now and then at work. Um, he would be at, uh, he would be like on the, the, the TV in the break room at different random times of the day because people would put it on Fox Business, which is fine, I guess. And, um, he always seemed fine. Like he didn't seem like he was, he was even critical of Trump. I've seen him be critical of Trump. So it's like, he wasn't just drinking the Kool-Aid. It seemed like, but then more recently <laughs> I've seen him straight up be like, I, everything seems to point that this election was a fraud. I was like, <laughs> real does it now? Does everything point to that? <laughs> Cause I haven't seen anything that actually points to that other than a bunch of people who are sad that they lost. Like those people are pointing to it, but 
I don't see any actual facts, uh, but he was really doubling down on the, the election being a fraud, and now he doesn't get a show anymore. <laughs> well, and it's crazy to me. Like, we're in a really weird push right now. With which I've been talking about it on the Brew Chat podcast for years, I feel. But freedom of speech is like, and I don't even know if it's freedom of speech. I don't know what it is, but it's like watching Fox try and pivot to figure out like, holy fuck, okay, we let this get a little out of hand. We need to reel back and start being the quote unquote factual conservative network. Yeah, we're we're going to be for, we're the, the channel for the traditional Republicans and not the Trumpists. And that's kind of where, where they're trying to position themselves. Like there's a lot of yeah. Republicans who don't like Trump. And that's that. Unfortunately, there's also a lot of Republicans who do, which means that's a fragmented base, which is, it's a good thing if you're a Democrat, but yeah, but what, what we, what we haven't seen yet is when the next election comes as if the people will suck up their pride and, vote together, you know, just to, just to, if, if they have a shared hatred of Democrats, that's strong enough, but we'll see. Basically, I mean, what I hope is that, you know, half of the Republicans are like, uh, but I'm not voting for anyone who calls Biden the president. The other half are like, Biden's the president. So when it seems to me, I think I said this on a past episode, but it seems to me that the Republican party kind of is the, uh, you know, the Democrat Party is the cool kid to come, you know, back to school in fourth grade. You know, I'm talking like 1999 here with some flare jeans. And you're the kid that gets the flare jeans in 2000, you know, like. Uh, they seem to lag a little behind with what the Democratic Party was doing. And what I mean by that is they sort of flubbed up and they I'm not saying this is why they lost to Obama, but Obama had this huge media push online they, he had this, uh, I mean, it's propaganda, but like that hope poster, all that sort of stuff. You didn't really see that shit from the Republican party until after that happened. And that's how we got Trump. So it's almost like they try to, they see what the Democrats do when the Democrats win, try to copy it, copy it poorly. And it caused them to lose again. And it's just a, it's just a cycle that keeps going. Yeah. Well, it's just because they're, I mean, like, you know, it, the thing that sucks is that the Republicans, even when they're right about stuff, they're so – when you say behind the times, I mean, it's real, really, really bad. They're very – I mean, that's what the literal definition of conservative means mm. is, is we're going to preserve and conserve the ways of our forefathers and mm -hmm. our ancestors and things like that. We're, we it's a strong belief in tradition. And um, unfortunately, we're in a very changing world and you've got to adapt or survive. That's science. And those people don't like science. So they, they go, no, we're going to put our foot in the ground. We're going to demand that things stay the same. It's like, yeah, but like black people have had a bum rap. It sucks for them if things stay the same. And they're like, we're not going to talk about that right now. We're going to talk about <laughs> I like I used to be able to walk down downtown and get ice cream on Sundays. And I can't do that anymore mm -hmm. because of the, you know, it's like, it's like fucking you're pining for an America you saw on TV. It's not even a real America yeah. that ever existed, but you know, it's, it's this, I mean, you know, I mean, again, to go back on my, my religious tirade, but it's, you know, Talking about tradition, that's where a lot of it comes from. Well, yeah, those demographics of people tend to overlap quite a bit. And, uh, yeah, 
some of those people that I'll, I'll talk to that come from that frame of mind, it's, it's genuinely hard for them to see that the world isn't like that. And I think, especially Trump losing the election, like, you know, yeah, it was a big shakeup for Q, but I think it was a shakeup for them as well because they saw, even though they may not have been on board with the Q people, they saw and it was hard for them to accept. And they're still accepting like, you know, I think this was, uh, maybe there were a few Trump supporters there at the Capitol oh, insurrection. You, you know, <laughs> and uh, I know one, he's my cousin. <laughs> you know, they went from day one where they were like, well, that was Antifa. It was orchestrated it's Antifa trying to make, make the Trump people look bad. It's like, no, no. And then slowly they've uh, come around to just, yeah, it's, it seems like it was kind of, you know, all, it was Trump people, you know. Well, here, here's, and this is a point. I, I had a conversation with my mother earlier, and this is a point I made to her about a family member. But I was like, you know, she's like, I don't understand how these people can be full, so full of hate and then call themselves Christians. I'm like, well, here's what you, here's what it is. It's all, and I, I think I touched on it last week where I said, like, it's a lot of people who just won't admit that they're ever wrong. It's, it's a confirmation bias. But, or you can call that in, in biblical terms, pride. And you say, look, if you're really so Christian, you should look at yourself and look at your own pride and look at why you're not accepting the facts that are laid out in front of you. It's, is it because you really think you're right or because you don't want to admit that you were ever wrong? And if it's the second one, you're guilty of pride and you should go pray about that. Mm. Now, I'm not, I, again, you know, you know me, I'm not going to like, but I'm, I'm saying like if, if a person is a genuinely good person who has just lost, I'm not going to try to rip their fucking faith from them, but I'm going to try and say, argue it in a way that, that I think, hope that they like can understand and go, oh, actually, Maybe I should pray on my own pride. Like, yeah, and then realize, like, oh fuck, because because all it is, and it's 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 a it's a little excuse that they can make. Mm-hmm. I wasn't I wasn't stupid. I was tricked, you know. And if you say like, oh, it's a thing like pride, then you say, oh, I wasn't stupid. It was the devil. And now that I've prayed, I've got the devil out. Yay, Donald Trump's not the president anymore, and I can say that and feel good about myself and not feel like I am. I don't have to be embarrassed about being wrong for so long because that's mm-hmm. what it boils down to. People don't want to ever admit that they were wrong. They don't ever want to go like, oh, yeah, whoops, I was wrong about that. I mean, it's it's a thing like you got to learn to do it at some point. Everybody needs – I mean, I, I've been wrong about it. Like, again, I used to watch Alex Jones, so, I mean, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I can I can testify, yes, it's you are – I have been wrong a lot, and I'm probably – I've probably said some things that are wrong t- today – and when I find the right answer, I'll come back and say it. But it's because I've beaten myself down so much. I don't have any pride anymore. Where I, well, I'm not saying any, but I don't have. A, I'm not so worried about my reputation because I said a stupid thing. Because I've said a lot of stupid things. When I don't, I that's just something. I get it because I've. I feel like I come from that. Not in like saying my parents are like that necessarily, but like uh, just I think especially in the South, that's a really predominant trait because I, I don't even really know why because, to be honest. I've just, you know, being raised down here, hearing an apology from somebody, you know, growing up, you don't hear it too often. You know, yeah, there's Southern hospitality and shit, but if somebody tells you off, you may be fine the next day and you know, you and that person and, but they, I don't think they'll apologize typically. It's just, uh, it's pride. It's a big thing here in the South. And that tends to go along with, uh, some of these Q people a little bit. And 
yeah, it just, uh, I don't know where they go from here though, because their shit's dismantling. And then on top of that, like I was saying is I think some of these non Q non extreme Trump supporters are starting to realize like what they were actually supporting because I knew, I knew a couple of them that they did have that obsessive sort of view, but they, it wasn't with the Q stuff. It was more like, no, he's getting in there and he's rattling up the economy and Washington people just don't understand. And it's like, I know it looks bad, but it's good that he's getting in there and knocking some shit loose. It's good. And, uh, that was frustrating, but now I tend to see these people in that camp sort of repivoting to like, again, they're not admitting it, but I can see their frame of reference pivoting to where some of them are doing what you said. And just earlier about parties, just shutting the fuck up. They're realizing like, okay, maybe I don't know what the fuck I'm talking right. about here. So I'm going to shut the fuck up and just listen for a minute. And uh, then other ones are pivoting and starting to be like, yeah, those people that stormed the Capitol, that's un-American. And if they're Trump supporters, I'm not associated with that. You know? Well, I mean, if you talked to me four, five years ago, three years ago, I was an internet loudmouth. I was. I, I mean, it was about a lot of different things. Some things less important than others. I'm really big on uh, how to pronounce GIF, the uh, the three-letter uh, thing that comes at the end of certain picture files. It is GIF. It's not GIF. It is GIF. Um, so I'll go on a big, long internet tear about that and get into big fights with people over it. But, um, I, but like uh, definitely more serious topics as well. And so I understand, and I'm telling you guys from a guy who's been through it, you're like, oh shit, I fucking shown my ass on the internet. I fucking told people that I would pay them a thousand dollars if Trump didn't win this election and Trump didn't win shit. What am I going to do? Here's what you do. And this is, this is easy because people don't like drama. So all you got to do is shut the fuck up, take a step back, maybe leave innocuous comments on people's things like, oh, cool. Yay. You know, like things. Uh, don't like anything too, too extreme, even if you agree with it. If it seems like, oh, this is going to piss a lot of people off, just don't like it. Just scroll past it. Just stay quiet until that becomes your new routine. Once that becomes your new routine, you can kind of re you can test the water, see what the temp where the temperature's at, re-enter with whatever fucking the popular view that you want to come off with that is that isn't crazy like, you know, I don't know, like the government's out to get us stuff because again, don't bring that up at parties and guess what social media is? It's a big party. So, uh just you know, you if you take if you if you've been a loud screamer and you take just a like a, a year off of loud screaming and just have quiet, muted little conversations, you can kind of come back and have full volume conversations again. You'll learn, you'll be used to not loud screaming anymore, and you'll just have full volume, normal conversations, and just from a reasonable point of view, and people will kind of forget all the crazy shit you said, as long as you weren't calling for like Nancy Pelosi's death. You know, I think that's probably I never see. I, I said a lot of crazy, mean shit on the internet, but I never actively said I want this person to die. Like I never did that. Uh, I did say that people who mourn celebrities are silly, and that's that was bad taste to me. I'm sorry I said that, um, but I, I've I've made light of deaths that have already happened, but I never mm. wished for a death that hasn't happened yet to happen. Sorry, I'm gassy again. 
Wow, we are sipping on some beers here. Yeah, I need a, I need a freshie. I'm gonna grab one. You need, you need one? Uh, yeah, I'll take one. I don't know. I remember there was a guy. I can't remember his name, but he was kind of a freelance pseudo journalist sort of guy that was on Twitter. And this was on an episode of Joe Rogan back in like 2016, 2017. But he was a big Twitter person. He was a journalist and he was known to like really snap out at people on Twitter. And I can't remember who this dude was, but I would liken him to like a Ben Shapiro, something like that. And this dude just like quit social media, Twitter journalism one day. And I can't remember who it was, but he made a really good point. Seemed like a halfway decent guy. I'm not talking about Ben Shapiro, but this guy, and he was talking about why he did it. And he was like, I just realized one day that I'm, my day to day was to get up, you know, work on a couple articles, try to get an article out, hop on Twitter periodically and, uh, you know, fucking post some vitriol to somebody calling them out. There were people I hated that I had notifications on for. I hated them and had on notifications. So I knew when they posted, so I would know to go respond with something mean to them. And he was like, that's just no way to live. I woke up one day, realized that's not a way to live. And that everything I'm putting out in the world, everything has equal and opposite, you know, reaction so everything I'm putting out in the world is coming right back to me and everything I'm putting out in the world is fucking shit. Right. And uh, that's pretty much all social media. Like yeah. I try to, I think we've got a, this is about the most political I've ever posted is posting this stuff, but I think we've got pretty sound logic coming from this. And uh, if you don't agree with it, then yeah, maybe go educate yourself. Yeah. Well, I mean, e even still, if I'm dead wrong, I want the info to show me that I'm yeah. dead wrong. Like I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to hide in a hole. I, I don't have a, a flag planted with these are my ideals and I'm going to stand by yeah. them. Like, like uh, I had one guy call me out one time in a debate. It was a long time ago, but it was when I was more religious and, and I was talking about like how I'm willing to listen to other ideas. Like, wow, sounds like you have a sure lack of conviction. I'm like, so, I mean, I guess I do. Because mm -hmm. I, I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not willing. To, there's no idea that I think is so sacred that can't be questioned. And like, I, you know, I just, I, you know, I, I've, I've said, like I said, I've said a lot of things that may lean a little right. I've said a lot of things that may lean a little left. Same, yeah. It's just a result of like the best I can make sense of things at the time. I'm just a regular guy trying to get through this world. Um, and, and but I, I do try to like at least acknowledge when I made a mistake. And I'm always open to hearing new ideas. And as a guy like like what you just said, I was kind of that way, uh, where I was ready to just go mm -hmm. harass people. And and it's it, like like the same conclusion he came to is like this this isn't making me happy. This doesn't mm -hmm. add to my life at all. It's not something that I, I'm taking stuff away from people, and I'm not give, adding mm -hmm. anything to myself. So it's not even like it's not even good villainy. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like I'm I'm just gonna back out of that. Yeah. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's a waste of time for people. And I just wish people would get a little more informed and yeah, if, if you don't agree with what we're saying here, like we might not be right about everything, but we're at least willing to be fluid enough to entertain other ideas and to hear another point of view. But the problem is that the opposing point of view to a lot of the takes we have on things tend to be takes by people that aren't really read up 
on their own takes and can't really explain them thoroughly. Right. So it makes it look like we're elitist. And it's like, no, if we disagree and you can back up your fucking points, come on. Like the, we the all have fucking, the same uh, <laughs> economy thing we were talking about is I don't know which way I lean on that. I see the point you're making where it does make fucking sense. If you give people more money, greedy fucks are going to increase the prices on things. But then also, uh, from my own perspective, so I don't know which way to go on that. And I mean, I'm very fluid on a lot of things, and I think that's kind of one of the linchpins of this show. I mean, my heart, yeah, exactly. My heart tells me we got to take care of people. You know, we got yeah. we got to take care of people. Um, my head tells me is rushing into the first solution the best way to take care of people. Like, mm. so it's it's sort of it's sort of like, um, you know, I. It's hard. It's hard. It's not an easy thing. I think if it was an easy thing, we would have done it a long time ago. Mm. And that, that's that's the thing. I, I I do. You know, I think a lot of people resist things for uh, really stupid reasons. I think there's a lot of opposition for like you know a minimum wage, a federal minimum wage that that that, that aren't good reasons. Because um, I again, I I, I want to see people taken care of. So I like the I like the heart of the the reason why people want there to be a federal minimum wage. I just don't know that it works everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that right now in the current state of things, the more help we can give people, the better is yeah. kind of my vibe. Like, you know, like I get like, Hey, this might have bad long-term effects. It's like, well, okay, here's what we do until the pandemic's over. We don't care about long-term effects. We care about yeah. right now. And then once we're at a state where we can actually function as a society again, that's when we start saying like, okay, we made a lot of rash decisions because we were in an emergency. How do we dial this back in a safe and effective way? That seems to me to be like how you have to get through an emergency. Um, Acting like it's business as usual is not going to cut it and doing nothing is not going to cut it. So, I mean, like, I mean, like Biden gave a speech this week and he said it really well. He said that like, doing too little is you know there there's the whole uh i can't remember the term that he used or that's been used before but there's this this idea that like the longer you take to deal with a problem the more expensive it's going to be so it's like we can talk, we can argue about the price of things now but the longer we argue the higher that price well, is look, look at owning a fucking car man i mean we're old enough now where i'm sure you fucking uh accidentally destroyed a car oh yeah i've accidentally destroyed a car of just where you didn't quite, you know, you may have put off that oil change right. a, a few too many times, or you may have, uh, you know, put off, uh, man, I, I really can't afford new tires this month. Like, I'll get them next month. No, I'll get them next month. And you just keep putting off those new tires. Lo and behold, the car, no matter how superficial or not, that small little regular maintenance issue may be, Putting that off will eventually, that plants a seed for devastation. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, if you do the small things, you end up not having a huge paycheck at the end of it. Right. But you've got to, by not doing all the small things, yeah, you're going to end up with a much, you're going to end up with having to buy a whole new car. And it's, yeah, it's the same with any kind of, like, crisis or situation. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like. When we like look at like I mean even something more serious like cancer like right like it, they say like get tested often because if they can catch it early it's not a big deal but if you wait yeah. it becomes a massive deal that could end your life and it's mm-hmm. going to cost you know hundreds of thousands of dollars to to treat you know to yeah. save your life so it's like that's it's it's just it's it's all like that kind of compounding like things things compound exponentially and so um, 
you know, the my attitude is like, let's throw money at the population right now. Let's make it so that like, if people are out of work, they're fine and they're not starving. Let's make it. Let's let's create the the situation where we can do a a true quarantine and pandemic until we can get this out of our system, get everybody vacu- vaccinated, reach herd immunity, whatever it is we've got to do to get everyone to a point to where we can we can go back to normal. Because if we don't and we act like there's nothing wrong, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be disastrous. And and Mm -hmm. we may never go back and like kind of like, you know, (laughs) what some what 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 some I've heard some stuff about like, oh, the the elite doesn't ever want us to go back. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's true. But like, well, why wouldn't they like Amazon? Like, why wouldn't Jeff Bezos is stepping down because he can. He made whatever billions of dollars this year. Amazon made money hand over fist. And I hate to say I contributed a fair amount. Oh, yeah. To it. And he's still on the board, so he's still going to be making money. It's not like he's not like. Like the government basically on paper. Like, let's assume there was some backroom deal here. Allegedly, Jeff Bezos has some backroom CIA dealings going on. Allegedly. Um, some CIA contracts there. Allegedly. So let's just say there was a, a backroom deal there of like, hey, we're going to pay Amazon this amount of government money, but we can't do it directly. Okay. Well, we could do it through this uh, stimulus and then we can guarantee a certain percentage. I mean, I know I'm speaking nonsense. Yeah, I don't know anything but what it's you're like, saying, but I'm, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just smiling and nodding. Yeah, it's, it's complete nonsense. Hey, but, do your fact check. But I'm just saying regardless <laughs> of like – Whatever money, what I'm getting at is whatever money that the government put in. Let's just look at that first CARES package that came out last March, March 2020, um, that had like the $600 unemployment. It had like $1,200, all that. Let's just look at that. That was a good chunk of change for some people. And what percentage of that overall money was spent on Amazon? Went back to Amazon? Oh, definitely plenty of it for me. It like, was a good percentage. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going out to stores right now. Yeah. So. And then to think I bought food at Whole Foods. So. Is that owned by Amazon? Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> so what percentage of the stimulus money is just going straight to Amazon anyway? <laughs> I mean, it's, that's all I was getting out with my yeah, crazy. That's I mean, deals. that's yeah, you don't have to you don't have to go into anything else about that. That's just true in, in its own right. Like, yeah. Uh, I mean, all the biggest companies benefited the most during the pandemic. That's, that's just like, if you look at like the amount of money, I mean, like granted, a lot of that has to do with a lot of the, uh, the, <laughs> the tax cuts that Trump, uh, uh, did during his time. He, he, Trump was very good for a lot of very, very rich people. And so it's, Again, it's weird to me why the the poorest people are like, "Yay, he he's our savior, he's our best president ever." I'm like, like if you only watch the the commercials and don't actually watch the show, then yeah, <laughs> so I guess the only way I know to put it, it's like, are how much how much are you paying attention to what he's doing? Are you just hearing like his speeches? Are you actually like hearing? That, that's something I will never understand is how the poor really fucking loved Trump. I get the rich loving him. It's like, I get it. It's one of those situations. It's like fucking Larry's coming to golf with us on Saturday. God damn it. And fucking Larry, dude, he's rich. Like, just bring him like, you know, you'll close a deal with him. Like, just let him come along deal with his bullshit. You know, I get rich people dealing with Trump and enjoying him and entertaining and humoring it. 
I do not get poor people. They get nothing out of it. I've never understood that of like what, like Joe Blow, like way I look at him and I see me, you know, like Like when he said the words, we love the poorly educated. My thought is if, I mean, I'll say this as a guy who didn't, I never went to college. I'm just going to throw that out there. I don't know if that makes uh, a lot of people, uh, uh, like, oh, it makes a lot of his opinions make a lot of sense now. Uh, no, I never went to college. That's I did the band thing instead. Um, so, yeah, I didn't learn shit from that. But I do a lot of reading on my own. And uh, uh, But when he said, we love the poorly educated, if I was like, I, I still, even though I didn't go to college, I don't feel like I'm who he's talking to. Yeah. <laughs> it's what I kind of get. Yeah. So I, I felt like if I was who he's, he was talking to, I would be really offended by that. That seems yeah. like a really like kind of shitty thing to say. Like, oh, we love the poorly educated. As in like, that's an admission that like, hey, we love people. It's easy to grift. Like, Well, and for those that may not know what we're referencing, if I remember correctly, this was at a rally. This was when he was still and, running. And this he before said he was it elected. in passing. Like one of those things like, yeah, we're the greatest, blah, blah. Uh, I love the poorly educated. No, it was like, like, it was part of like one of his, like, we love these people. We love these people. We love the poorly educated. And he got cheers. Yeah. Cheers. And it's like, so are you saying that like, yay, he loves us stupid people. Like, or are those people not in on it? And like in a wrestling sense, like, are these the people that think the wrestling's still real yes. and they don't understand yes. that they are the poorly educated and they think and that there's a layer below them of poorly educated. It'd be like a wrestler coming out and saying, I love all the people, the idiots who think this is still real is what it feels like to me. And like, and you know, like if you were someone who believed it was still real and you heard a wrestler come out and say, mm-hmm. all you fucking morons who still think this is real, like that would kind of hurt my feelings a bit, a bit. But again, I'm also like I think I'm a pretty smart person. I think I'm pretty like so I think I'm pretty self-aware at least. And so I think that might be the difference here where it's like again like the whole like I'm I don't consider myself to have a lot of conviction or a lot of pride. So I think it might be part of that. But it's just weird to me. It's like the we love the poorly educated should have been a bad thing. It should have been like a hey fuck you. Like, what do you mean? Do you think you can take advantage of me? Is what I, the vibe I got is him saying, I love the fact that there's so many people here I can take advantage of. It's Mm -hmm. kind of the vibe I got off of it. And so it's like, that's that. I mean, that was kind of the point where I like, I even was kind of like, I heard some of the the excuses of him making fun of the the differently abled person um, back when he was still running the first time. And like, I kind of bought into some of the Kool-Aid that kind of excuses some of that. As we've seen, I think that I, I was probably wrong about that. Uh, I think he probably was he, well aware of the situation and, and was actively making fun of this guy. Um, but, uh, yeah, at the time, I didn't. But the the poorly educated comment, I was just like, I don't get how this didn't end him. Like, I don't get how, like, a number of things didn't end him. Yeah. But he had a lot of those moments of just like, no, this is it, right? No? No? Really? Okay. Okay. The fact that we're still talking about him today. He's yeah, not our right. president anymore. He does he's not in the news every day anymore. But we're still talking about him. Like it's going to be one of those things that we're going to fucking yeah, during those years. What's what well, it's amazing too and honestly not to get all hoity-toity about our podcast here or anything. But 
in a weird way, I think it's important to talk about him in that context because who knows what the history books will write about this presidency. And it is important to have firsthand accounts of stuff like that and some sort of permanent, you know, in a hundred years or whatever that is, you know, not to get hoity toity that we're creating history or something here, but yeah, it is important to have those accounts on record. And, uh, I just hope this isn't like my band where I'm listening to it 10 years from now going, oh, God, what the fuck did I say? <laughs> well, and, well and the good thing about us is we're willing to change our opinions. Yeah, no, I, but, 10 episodes from now, I might be saying, like, everything I said before was wrong. Trump was a great man. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's going to go that way. But like, Y'all didn't understand. Q was real. <laughs> I thought I knew everything. Trump was Q. Turns out I thought I knew everything. Turns out I was stupid. I've said that before, and I'll probably say it again. I don't think it'll be that extreme, but. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, moving on. We talked about uh, fucking Fox trying to reposition. And I've this is kind of the main topic I wanted to get to. And I've talked about it a lot on the Brew Chat podcast. I've brought it up on here a time or two. And over the past, I mean, even in me, like, I've heard it brought up, like more recently than I have in a long time. And I remember I've brought this up to various people over the years telling them like, Hey, this is the problem with our fucking media. Is that the fact that this was rolled back? But uh, I wanted to talk about the fairness doctrine because I want to bring more awareness to this if I can. And uh, if you've not already been hearing about it in the news, it's hear about it here. This is the reason America is polarized today, in my opinion, or as polarized as it is. They have not. This is what has contributed to the news media being what it is today, where you've got CNN catering hard to the left, which I, I'm on the fence now. I don't know if it, it may be MSNBC going a little further left than CNN these days. I don't know, but yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but then, and then you've got Fox and then Newsmax even harder than Fox so it's like, this is what has allowed that to happen. And this was basically, I think I've misspoke on this before. Yeah, I don't fully understand it either. I've got a good idea of what I think it, it's supposed to be because I used to listen to a lot of talk, local talk radio, and I think they've talked about it to some degree. But it, isn't it? So let, let me, let me spit my think, okay. what I think it is. And okay. you, can, you can spit back at me. It's it where like, if you get have like one political candidate on the air, you have to give another political candidate like equal amount of time. Like, is that what it is? Kind of like so that like all all viewpoints are heard equally. Is that, I may be wrong. That's just kind of what I thought it was. Um, roughly, yeah, that's roughly what it did. And I think I've pretty much said that example before, but I looked into it a little more, and it requires a little more than that. It requires that, but it also requires that, which. This was created in uh, 1949, so it was right after World War II, and we saw what Nazi propaganda and shit like that could do. So it was like really big in the heads of Americans to be like, "No, let's not. Let's keep that from happening." Yeah. And at the time, there was also only like four broadcast channels, and it was mostly radio at that time. And so, uh, it, yeah, there was uh, 1949, and then sometime in the 60s, it was reamended once TV was more of a thing, but it basically said that the broadcast channels, um, the network news stations, which they didn't know at the time that there would one day be a hundred channels and then the internet. Uh, but at the time four channels is it basically said what you said, but it also has in there 
that it requires the news stations to talk about controversial subjects and to present them in a fair and balanced way. So to show both sides of view on it. And I think it's interesting that it forces them to talk about controversial subjects because without that, you could have a news program that's just like, yeah, so Betsy got a dog today and totally not show any of the bullshit that's going on behind the scenes of America. So I like that that's in there. And uh, it also, it forces them and that, Via that clause is why if you have a Republican candidate on, you also have to have the Democrat candidate right. on. And this went out the window. Reagan administration, big surprise there, in 1987. And shortly after that, or shortly before that, you had CNN. Fairness Doctrine goes out the window. Then you have Fox News come out, I believe, 89. And uh, here we are today. We're more divided than ever. I think the news media has been a huge contributor to this. So, but I thought that the, the, the like as far as local, and maybe it's just a, their policy. Maybe it's not a legal thing, but I know that like you know the the local news station one hundred two point three. I may I may have gotten those numbers wrong. I think that's what the local news station is. They uh, they do have a thing where if they have one like local candidate running, yeah. they have to give the time to everybody because mm-hmm. um, they they've talked about that before. Um, so I thought, I thought it was still a thing. So you're telling me that it's no longer. No. Okay. No, they may just do that. As far as I know, there is not any, it may be like a thing that like a corporate policy or something. Yeah. Maybe their own policy. But as far as I know, there's no federal mandate via the FCC that forces that of any kind. And I think there should be, that's the big debate that I've seen it brought up countless times. You know, I watch rising with crystal and Sager. Right. I watched a uh, interview with Tulsi on uh, Fox News, Tucker Carlson, I think, uh, with Tulsi Gabbard. She brought it up on there. Not because I watch Tucker Carlson, but I like Tulsi. Right. Um, But yeah, she brought it up on there. And I don't know. I've just, uh, I've seen it brought up several times over the past couple years. And it's been getting brought up more and more here recently. And I've been talking about it for years. I think it's something we need a modern day version of the Fairness Doctrine. I don't know how you do that. I don't know what it looks like because the Fairness Doctrine, even at that time, only went for uh, broadcast news. So, you know, even in a world with Fox in that day, I think Fox could still have gotten away with it by saying that they are news entertainment. Like, I don't know how to, like, I think. So I here's here's the, the the most fucked up thing about the news that I've ever been able to uh, piece together is that it's you know pre Trump I was kind of in the Trump camp as being very critical of mainstream media and going hey it's it's all just people who work in corporations who uh, uh, the the I'm sorry I'm little drunk the uh the the news the, these news channels these news outlets are owned by corporations and if you actually look at like who else the people who sit on these boards what other companies of other or what other boards of other companies they sit on you'll notice that channel doesn't really report negatively about any of those other companies the other channels will but if something bad happens they kind of just skirt it off to the side so i kind of get the whole trumpian fake news kind of mentality i, I think that They've blown it way out of proportion, but um, I, I did kind of have a lot of those same criticisms. But then after the uh, Trump got elected, 
there's now this reverence for journalism now, like, right? Like where they were doing a lot of that kind of shit, but now we have to look at journalists like, no, the idiot president said that, that news is fake, but we are actually on out on the ground on the front lines. And like all credit to uh, where it's due. I remember Anderson Cooper when he was still on channel one news, Mm. the news they made us watch in school. I don't know if everyone saw channel one, but Every school I went to, and yeah, I remember that. At Channel One, Anderson Cooper was like in for a a school news program that lasted like five minutes. Yeah, uh, he was. They were sending him into like war zones, and he mm-hmm. was on the ground, like doing real journalism. So, like, I don't give a shit what your criticisms of Anderson Cooper are. I remember that motherfucker being real as hell. So, like, I'll, I'll give that guy nux any day, <laughs> but. Uh, well, it's an age where you've got to actually look into who the journalist is and look into, like, are they a worthy person? Do I trust their character? Which is the opposite of what it used to be of where a journalist, like a newsman, was supposed to be completely neutral, was supposed to show no opinions or no emotion towards any particular subject. And now it's a position where you need to know the background of this journalist what are their possible motivations? What are their beliefs? Where are they coming from? And why are they telling me this? Anderson, and there's only a handful of journalists across, and I've got them across the board on Fox, CBS, CNN. Uh, trying to think of one on CNBC or MSNBC, I mean. But, um, but yeah, there's a handful that I actually think are actual journalists. Whether they're right or left, I think they're true, good journalists that really follow it as a virtue and believe that it is something that needs to be done a right and left. But outside of that, I would say it's 10% of them. Well, that's, that's what, what I was kind of getting at is where it's like now, because of everything, I think like it almost like there should be like a, a system. Mm-hmm. Sorry. We got, we've got the, uh, um, we've got like the internet now and we've got so much information that we can compile and gather why not say like, Hey, if you want to be a journalist, you should get the same way you have to get like certain certifications and things to show your credentials. Why not get this personality test? And that way you you're measured on a scale of like, we know you're this kind of person so that all of your reporting can be measured against that through that lens. And we can say like, look, this is like the same way. There's kind of like the, um, I can't remember what it's called. Like the, I'm an, I I'm what you would call an INTJ and that oh, the Myers Briggs Myers Briggs. Yeah. yeah. Like that kind of thing. Uh, you do that something like that, but like a little more like legitimate, uh, and you do it for journalists and say like, look, I'm rated this on this scale. And so, and then you put that, so that way you can always look it up and be like, okay, I'm getting this information, but who's giving this to me? Oh, it's a person who feels these ways about these things so I can look at it through that lens and say, okay, they're probably, this is probably a really important issue to them. So they're, they're going to take it seriously. Or this is a person who's known to, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's that, maybe that only adds to the problem more. Maybe, maybe go the other route of uh, having a, some sort of rating that, that you implement like a uh, rotten tomatoes rating for individual journalists that is a factual rating of like, this is the amount of times that they've had to redact a statement or take something back. So then it puts the responsibility of, yeah, 
it, you're doing journalism. You've got a fucking responsibility. So you should have this on your weight and you should feel it that you can't just get in front of a camera or behind a newspaper. Well, that's a dated reference, but yeah, behind a camera and spout whatever bullshit you want. You should have a rating for like a faction, a factuality rating of like, I like a person, uh, I don't know, just somehow it's based on the amount of times they've had to redact a statement or whatever, and it's their factuality rating that you can look at and be like, they've been, they've got a 100% factuality rating. They've never had to redact a statement. Everything they have said in their entire career is true. Yeah, I mean. And you maybe can't even get that rating until you're like five, ten years in or something. Well, I'm sure like, I mean, everyone's human. I'm sure it's hard to get like 100%. Yeah, for you anybody. would never have 100%, but what you well, would like, strive for like, is be like, this person's 98.2%. Well, it's like when you're you buying know? online, you look at the reviews and you see like, okay, do people like this product? Or what do people say? Oh, like this shirt is a little snug. Maybe I should go up a size on it, you know? Yeah. So you, it's it's good to have like you know, a peer review is is the scientific yeah. method of it. Like so maybe there's like, you know, like like kind of like you were just saying like with Rotten Tomatoes, maybe there's like a journalistic review where other journalists chime in and you know what their ratings are too, and then like also the public can chime in. That's a separate score. We got yeah. most people feel this way, and that could be really telling because sometimes like with a movie, sometimes there will be a really high you know jerk high uh, critic score, but then a real low public score. It's like, yeah. what's going on here? It's like, oh, is, can we trust the critic system? Is, that, is, is it crooked? So I think as, as many different, like, um, uh, what's the term, analytics that you could look mm. at, the better. Like, the more the more different things you can compare and contrast mm. against. Why not? Like, why not make it something like that instead of this sort of, like, treating journalism as an art form because it's mm. not, it shouldn't be an art form. It's, it's very much It's more of a science. Yeah. It's a yeah. literal, like here is the information that we have up to this point. And that's really what it is. I'm journaling. I'm chronicling. My major was in journalism and it very much is. It's like, it's almost like more of a, uh, like a practice, like law, like where, you know, you're not literally like when they say you practice law, you know, my brother's a lawyer He's not going to the courtroom and making sure that his tie's right and he's standing in the right spots. And, you know, he's not literally practicing. It just means that while you're a lawyer, you need to stay up to date on the recent coming abouts and the happenings in the law community and with various laws and what's happening. Like you kind of never really leave law school. Uh, yeah. And well, in the same way, I practice uh, podcasting. You know, I stay up to date on new trends and new technologies and new techniques of editing and things like that. I practice podcasts. I practice photography in the same way. It's it's a trade. It's something, you know, you can quantify it somewhat down to something. And in that way, <laughs> that way, you... Uh, you practice journalism. Like you have to stay up to date on things. If you've ever looked into one of those AP style books, which is how they, it's how you're supposed to format everything. Uh, it's really interesting actually, but um, that shit changes, you know, it's, it's a practice. And so we're kind of in a position now where the people giving us our news, I mean, yes, they are journalists, but they're more actors or personalities. Uh, yeah, and entertainment personalities than anything. No different than E! News. 
So at that point, like, what are you fucking giving me? You're giving me the socioeconomic gossip of the world. Like, that's not news. And that's essentially what Fox News cops to by saying that they are news entertainment. So you're e-news, but for the socio-political spectrum. Okay. Like, then what the fuck are you giving me? But yeah, I like the rating system because, I don't know, to me, if you put the responsibility of truth and fairness and factuality onto the actual journalist and the news anchor, they're not going to want to have their ratings take a dive. Right, exactly. So they're not going to go work for a network that's spitting shit. What's well, like even you could say like, what's well, so I say like there's no good or bad score. It's just a scale that tells you like, okay, this is where this person, le- this is the kind of personality yeah. this person is. Um, there's no benefit for them to cheat and lie and try to present themselves as anything yeah. other than they are. The benefit is to be as true to yourself as you are, because yeah. that way the product that you're selling is as genuine as you, as you know, like why, why fake it? If you can't, if it's, if it's real, it makes more sense to just go with that because that's the easiest. Cause you could just go with, so, so it seems like it's a lot of extra work now to have to present yourself as something that you're not. It's just mm-hmm. my, it's just kind of my, feelings on it but i mean maybe there's a flaws i'm not seeing yet well, this, is, this is kind of a brainstorm like i didn't really yeah you would have i didn't walk in here thinking like i'm gonna present me either this i didn't expect and, to talk about this either this is fully a fresh idea off the dome um like we're cracking this like knowledge right now but it also makes me think you would have news stations that would be able to brag where we're like uh nbc news all of our anchors rated 90% and above on the factuality scale, right? you know, yeah, and then yeah. you would have other stations that would try to minimize that fact because none of their anchors have above like a 70%, you know, like a Newsmax or something. Oh, yeah. it, it, it would tell you who the imposters are for yeah. sure. Um, yeah. So the equal time rule is different than the fairness doctrine. Okay. Uh, equal time rule is still in effect as far as I can tell. And then the fairness doctrine is now defunct. The fairness doctrine was explicitly made, uh, and its main agenda was to ensure that viewers were exposed to a diversity of viewpoints. And, uh, that's one of those things where it's like, why would you want that thrown out? Yeah, I don't know. Like, what is the benefit of throwing that out? I don't see any other reason to throw that out other than just the fact that oh you've got some political shills in there that work for whatever entertainment conglomerates that are uh, lobbying to get it thrown out so they can accomplish their their corporate goals it only makes sense to me if like if like uh like CNN and MSNBC and Fox news are all in on it together because then they're like, Hey, we can have a very strong, like leaning. Yeah. And like, we'll lean this way. You lean that way. And then we'll, that way we'll be able to capitalize on our demographic and we'll say things that'll keep them, you know, Mm. hooked to us. That's the only way it makes sense to me is like, if you, if you, if, if you went in knowing that like, Okay, we're gonna get rid of this, and now we can have a strong bent to our our, our programming. Um, 
other than that, yeah, you're you have a you have a good point. It doesn't it doesn't make sense. So I mean, I don't want to get conspiratorial, but it's just it's just well again like piecing things together as yeah, best just I can. Purely asking the question to even anybody listening, what would be the benefit of throwing out the fairness doctrine if its main agenda was to ensure that viewers, and again, this is in a time of network television, so ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, to ensure that viewers of those channels had a diversity of viewpoints. Now, you do say Reagan is the one who threw that out, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, so Reagan was the one who really, because before Reagan, the right wasn't the religious right. Like, the, the way we make the connection now between, like, oh, Republican, religious, crazy people, that what didn't really exist before Reagan. Uh, Republicans were starting to go down that corrupt path because of Nixon and all that. But, um, no, they, um, that, that, yeah. So, so when you talk about like, oh, we want to eliminate other viewpoints, it's like, well, okay, look at where Reagan's, you know, loyalties were that, that, that does make more sense now. I also, uh, one of the only times that the equal time rule was suspended was under Nixon actually. Reagan was also president during like the satanic panic and the, yeah. you know, that's, and that's when like all the best, like heavy metal, like satanic heavy metal started yeah. where it's like, it probably is a direct response to that. It was probably because of that. Like you'll find that when there's a Republican president, the metal gets real good. <laughs> and then when there's a Democrat president, it kind of, it kind of wanes a little. Uh, I did get into metal. During the Trump presidency. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So, so now that Biden's president, we're all going to get into like fucking shoegaze or whatever the next thing. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm so out of the loop on new metal. Go dust off those death cap for cutie CDs. Yeah. Like new music. I, I, I don't know. I, I think I saw, I think I, I saw uh Megan, the stallion at, on at new years and she was, she put on a great performance. Uh, you know, I got no, no beef with her. Um, but it's just not like, I don't, I don't know who these people are anymore. I, Machine Gun Kelly's like a, a pop punk guy now. What? Yeah. He was always a rapper as far as I knew. He's a pop punk guy. He was wearing all pink and playing a guitar. Okay. It was, it was, and it was pop punk. It was a bad pop punk. It was decent pop yeah, punk. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not even a pop punk guy, but it was like. I love that that genre is still kind of thriving now. Well, it makes sense. It's yeah. like, you know, it's, it's, it's good. Like it's kind of the doo-wop bubble gum kind of music of yeah. like our age. Like where yeah. it's like, it's safe for kids, but also like you can, you can tell stories with it. You can do a lot of, I mean, it's, it's, it's three, three chords and, and all <laughs> the heart, the soul of a dying man that you can do anything <laughs> with, you know? I love I love technical music. I love like shredding and stuff, but like also I love good songwriting and you can do it's so it's like those are different skills to me. I don't know. I'm just I'm going on a different rant, but <laughs> mm. I've got a hot take I came up with since the last episode though. Cause we just got over this uh presidential election where you've got a I guess Trump was the incumbent. Is that right? Yeah. The incumbent and then Biden coming in. I don't think the incumbent president, is that right? What do you mean? The incumbent president is the sitting president. Yeah, right? incumbent yeah. means sitting, yes. Okay, yeah. Um, I don't think the incumbent president should be allowed to campaign. Not because Trump was in there. I would say the same thing if Obama was in there. They should be allowed to do their uh, little uh, fucking debates that they do they can debate but as far as going out and going to rallies and campaigning 
Because first of all, you've got a job to fucking do, man. Well, that's so you've that's, got a job to do. That's actually a big argument that a lot of people make in, about elections, not just presidents, but mm-hmm. elections in general. Like, oh, great, now it's election season, which means none, no one, nothing's going to get done because everybody's yeah. out on the campaign trail. That's that's a long-standing argument. It's a good one. It's a real good one. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so that, and then B is, I don't know. In my opinion. Whether you're trying to get a, a girl or boy back um, or you're trying to not get fired and you're trying to demonstrate and prove to your boss that you're really worth keeping. Same with, you know, trying to get your man or your lady back. You going to them and saying, please keep me, please, please. No, I'm worth it. I'm, I'll do better. I'm good. I promise you I'm good. To me is far less effective then just doing a fucking good job. Right. Shouldn't your record be enough? Like, should yeah. you be able to say like, Hey, like the fact that, uh, uh, the fact that a, a politician would have to campaign when they're the incumbent, I think speaks volumes. Like the fact yeah. that like, Hey, it doesn't matter what they say. Are you not enjoying what you're having now? Mm-hmm. Like, and if, if the answer is yes, then you've got it in the bag. If you're having to campaign, that's probably a sign that you need to sit down. You know, uh, you're, you, I, th- I think you have a good point. Like when I think taking away the ability for them to campaign would put their the incentive in doing a good job, because now they're not having to worry about that. That's on the back burner coming up in four years. They can then just focus on doing the best job that they can and being like, I've got to do a good job. Right. Well, and the, and the whole point of democracy and the democratic system is that we're always changing up our leadership so that people can't get invested in power. So it it, it leans to that sort of same kind of like a uh, spirit in, in the sense where you're like, yeah, um, the pressure is on the new person coming in because if you're if you're if you're in leadership and you're doing a good job, you shouldn't have anything to worry about. No, and as far as the debates go, is when we get to the presidential debates, typically the questions they're asked are ones that have come up in recent events and whatnot, and it's stuff that uh, one or the other of the guys has mentioned on the campaign trail as his, his or their promises, and they get asked about stuff like that, where I feel if the president, the incumbent president, was forced to stay in office and not campaign, the people asking the questions wouldn't have the that ammo, so to speak, to know what questions to ask because the incumbent president's not out there running his fucking mouth. He's doing his job. But the one that's trying to take over the seat and run against the incumbent president, they've got that ammo for him, which they should have. You should be skeptical of the guy that's coming in saying, no, let's kick this guy out. I can do a better job. You should be skeptical of that, whether he's better or not. The pressure should be on the new person coming in for sure. Um, I, I, I even think that maybe there should be a change in the way debates happen because all you're getting is like, uh, from, from most of, of, I've watched a lot of debates in the past, like, I don't know, 15 years. And I'll say that, uh, they're all, pretty much the same in the fact that they're going to give, if they've got a thing on their, in their stump speech, their, their main rehearsed speech that they give every town they go to, if they've got something that in that speech that relates to the question, they're just going to go back to their stump speech and they're going to re- recite from it. You're not going to get a real 
earnest answer out of anyone during the well it's, it's like that hard j turn that kamala harris pulled when she got asked some question i can't even remember the question which just proves your point is that it was a legitimate question that was asked and she answered it by saying something like well let me first say that you know as when i was a little girl growing up and i was riding the bus you know and just you know when i was growing up as a a little half black, half Indian girl riding the bus, you know, something like that. I see what you're doing, lady. You're diverting. The, just answer the fucking question. Well, I think the solution is we, we think about like, why does the debate system exist as it is? Because back in the day, public speaking was the only way you could deliver the same message to a lot of people. Well, now what's the best way to get a message out to a lot of fucking people? Well, what we're doing right now, yeah. If fucking I mean I know I know there was the whole meme about like Joe Rogan getting Trump on and getting like but like if we had someone like that who would do it in a podcast format where it's like hey yeah. we're we don't have a time limit on this thing. We can talk mm-hmm. as long as as you need to talk to to really elaborate on your ideas and explain them and have a host who who has a decent knowledge of like, you know, law, current law and things like that. Like have someone who's, you know, I don't know. I don't know who who I would pick, but uh, you know, I wouldn't be the person to pick that. But I'm just saying, like, have have someone like that, and then uh, you know, actually sit down with a candidate and be like, "Hey, look, you're gonna you're gonna run the the you know the free world. <laughs> like, this is important. Let's get this out. Let's have a real conversation. And like, fuck a debate." Like have them just elaborate, debate with the moderator. Just don't don't yeah. even have them go up against each other. That's like a sport. It turns it into a fucking sports event. Mm-hmm. So just say like, hey, I'm a moderator. I'm a known you know centrist. I'm a known person who has no political leaning and just goes you know s- somebody of good reputation that everyone trusts, a good actor, and have them go in and just ha- give it give a podcast interview to this person. Ha- let them flesh out their ideas let them talk about all the little nuances of how they want want things to work get into the nerdy numbers and things like mm-hmm. that things that they can't just things that aren't sexy because you can't say that in a in a you know a, a 30 second sound bite so i don't I, like i think the modern debate format is so it doesn't tell us enough about these people um and, and so i think something that we have the capability to do more now we should do more now no you're not wrong at all and the fact that like if Joe Rogan has a podcast guest on like Alex Jones that says something that's incorrect, like he will. The fact that he's got a young Jamie to immediately pull up like, well, actually it says this and ABC, Fox, NBC, whoever is is doing the particular presidential debates, the fact that they don't have that. It's kind of astounding. Like, it's more of a pomp and circumstance ceremonial thing at this point. Sure, you can still have that. Still have your little bullshit debate. But I would like to see a three-round structured podcast-style debate where you get each candidate gets a single episode where they can talk about whatever they want with a solid moderator, like you said, that somehow everybody trusts. And it can rotate the same way the regular... Uh, like network debates do like it can rotate networks. I don't care, but just make sure like it's a solid person. And, uh, and then I would like to see a third one 
after they've both done individual ones where they all get together. Yeah, that would that would be yeah. fine. But it like, would be fucking great. But get, give ever like I mean, and, and like you know, you think about like a podcast, like you know, like you think about, like, or I mean, I mean, you think about like you know, we think of it as like a weekly kind of episodic kind of thing, but like it doesn't have to be that. Like you know, when you got you look at like the Democratic primary this time, there were like as many as fifteen different candidates. I mean, you could record fifteen interviews and just drop them on the same day and go listen to everyone you think you care about at least. Listen, I mean, like, it's up to you to do the research, but, like, it saves that, like, normally if I wanted to do research on that wide of a breadth of candidates, I'd either have to just trust what the media tells me, and you know, based on those stump speeches, or I could do my own research, which would ultimately be a lot more work than listening to 15 different, you know, two-hour podcasts. Mm-hmm. I'd probably put more than 60 hours into to looking up every, each, an individual candidate if that was my interest. That's not how most people operate. What I'm going to do is pick the two or three that I like the most and listen to those and decide who I like the most out of those. And I mean, but I think, I think that's fine. Like put out like fucking 15 episodes on the same day. Like this is our interview with Kamala Harris. This is our interview with Andrew Yang. This is our interview with Elizabeth Warren. This is our interview with Joe Biden. You know, if they had done that and you could hear them actually elaborate on their ideas and break it down, I think, uh, I mean, I think Andrew Yang would have done a lot better because, I, I mean, he, he won me over for being on Joe Rogan because I got to hear him flesh yeah. out his ideas. I get to hear him, like, go into detail and not just fall back on his stump speech. I don't think he even had a stump speech at that point. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, the government, they could work it into the budget because the way I'm aware, <clears throat> I'm pretty sure, the way I'm aware it works at this point is there's, a certain amount in the federal budget for like to outsource and pay somebody to put on the presidential debates whenever they happen and they rotate it between networks. So like they'll go to Fox and say, Hey, it's y'all's turn to do the presidential debates. So figure out, they can choose the format and change it up if they want to actually, but they just don't, they stick to the, they'll change little things here and there, but they keep it across networks. It's, Kind of a ceremonial thing at this point. Yeah, we're keep it pretty much. The we're going to make sure that that your forensics class is paid off. You know? Yeah, and uh, and so yeah, they'll take it to Fox and say, "Hey, it's y'all's turn to do the presidential debates this time. Uh, do what you're going to do. We're going to give you this amount of money to do it." And so Fox goes and does it for that amount of money, and then they go to the next network and do the same thing. And each network's allowed to customize it the way they want, but they just stick. Like, one network could say, like, well, we're doing something way different this year. We're going to do this podcast format of just, we're going to have each candidate on, we're going to broadcast for three hours, and just have a conversation. And do, like, even do, like, video podcasts, so so yeah. it's, you're not just listening to something, you can actually see them. Uh, and, uh, you know, just, just don't, do it, don't do it like a a debate, but do it like you're having a debate with the moderator. The moderator's yeah. giving you hard, hard questions. It's all, it's, it's just a tough interview is basically what it is. And you just defend your position and, and give the best answers you can. But it, it would be so hard to find it. You would need somebody. It would be so hard to find a moderator for that. Just because like, you'd probably have to have a, a like do like three and then give yeah. everyone like if, 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 I mean, usually your fields aren't as big as they have been. Like yeah. the Trump era, like, well, it was the, it was like, really, it was like the, the Republicans that wanted a shot at the next era after Obama, the, 
that was a big like shark pool, I guess. So you had a big wide range of people. That was the first time I ever like what turned into a, a like primary debate or something and saw like, oh, they have to split this up into a couple nights, you know. Mm. And Trump and, and I'm 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 not gonna lie, that's where Trump shined, man. During those debates, he was a disruptor. He was there to fucking be it was good TV, is what that was. That was good TV. <laughs> I don't think that made him qualified to be president, but that was very... Well, back then, we didn't think he could win, so it was entertaining. Right. I was like, oh, man, I love seeing these Republicans sweat. And then you're like, oh, God, I I hate why they were sweating. (laughs) But, uh, no, you you know, you had that, and then then this year, you had all the Democrats. You're like, we can't stand for Trump, so we're going to throw everything we've got Mm -hmm. at him. So that's that's unlikely. So I don't. I mean, let's that that that's not how it has been. I don't know if that's how it, that means it's going to be how it is going forward. I mean, if if Joe Biden really is a back to brunch, you know, back to normal kind of guy, then maybe we'll see you know four or five Republicans try to go up against him next year. I don't know. I mean, like, well, well next year, and it won't be next year. Uh, but we'll we'll see. But my my point is is that if if it does, the field does get that big. You split it up between like three people and you say like, you handle these, you handle these and you handle these. And then if there's a, if there's issues, we can, we can mix it up and do another round, you know? Well, like I said, even if not like put it in the budget and be like, oh, we've got 15 this year. We've got to, you know, we've got to pay for the fit or whatever. Like it just. Well, that, that see the problem with that is that, uh, they don't like that because that means it, that takes it off of cable news. Like you can't show mm. that much. I mean, they could over time, but like not the day they all drop, you know. But I think I think what this getting back to is we need some sort of fairness doctrine that is modern for the modern world. And I don't know what that looks like because some may say it's censorship, but I don't think it's censorship. It's just putting in a means to operate is like, you know, we produce content here if there is some sort of uh, mandate in there that if you were past a certain amount of viewers or listeners or whatever that said, hey, you've got to cover this amount. It is a broad spectrum on what they consider. It's like you've got to consider controversial subjects. That seems to be pretty broad. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's no real way to quantify that. Like, I mean, we could say we could sit here and say like, yeah, QAnon people can get the fuck out. But like. That means we're silencing a lot of people. Well, and even with something like brew chat, that's beer focused. I could do like something like are Browns really even worth drinking or are they just stouts made poorly? You know, that is a controversial take and I'll stand by it. I think Browns are bullshit and porters. I think you went to make a stout and you didn't make it stout enough (laughs) is what you did. I don't. I don't hate porters because sometimes I don't want a whole stout. But that's uh, that's fair. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. I'm not gonna. If, I'm if not you're gonna, gonna go take it on home. You know, and uh, yeah, that would be considered a controversial subject in the beer community. So if that meant that that dictated somewhat, I don't think that's that's not censoring at all. It's dictating that you've got to produce a certain co- amount of content. But I would be fine with that. Like honestly, having creative parameters like that are sometimes good and forcing me to be like, Oh, well, this is our one video a year. We've got to make where we have to like put out a controversial subject that also would flip the script on people like Alex Jones that are out there preaching bullshit because he would also have to adhere to that. 
and put up what he would consider a controversial subject, which might be that, like, maybe we do need a little bit of gun control. I don't know. I don't know. But I think we do need, you know. Critical thinking is really. Yeah. It's that, that those three questions that you always had to answer at the end of every chapter you'd read in a textbook. The critical thinking. Mm-hmm. All right. So now that you know that information, how are you going to parse that? How are you going to how are you going to use that in other areas? What does that mean to you? And like that's that's like kind of what we need to see happen in real life to gain faith back in our I think our journalistic institutions. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I'm about ready to wrap this up. Are you? Yeah, I'm mostly rambling yeah. at this point. So yeah, we're, we're good. So yeah, get on down to uh, Riverside Wine and Spirits right there on Manufacturers Road. Get on down to Merchants on Main, on Main Street across from Pax Brew Room. And as usual, our thoughts on here do not reflect that of our sponsors. We love them. But, uh, yeah, these are our own thoughts. These are our thoughts. And, uh, yeah, as usual, shit's still fucked, guys. We'll see you guys next time. Mm